theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston, press to ATO. Three, two, one. What up, what up, what up, what up, world? Hello, Quinn. How are you feeling? Hello, my love. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm excited for this one. This is leaning into the future again. It's a great fictional story. I'm just, I've I've been doing a little bit of a project on this, and I'm finding a lot of similarities to the plot of the story Ready Player One to our current world that we're in right now. Yes. So we have we have alluded to this before, but this is definitely something I, we haven't really fully done an episode on. Well, we kind of did. But what I'm really excited to talk about is the, are the similarities between the movie Ready Player One and the metaverse. Yeah. More well, specifically, Decentraland. Yeah. Decentraland, Crypto Voxels. This all sounds weird, but we will explain it all. We will. When we talked about Ready Player One, I believe it was more focused on virtual reality technology right and how immersive its its potential is in the future to make it seem as if it's real life yeah exactly and so today we're really talking about like what is really going on in the digital world of these different virtual lands right there are actual virtual lands being created as we speak So Mm -hmm. if you think about the internet, the internet is kind of like a virtual space, right? You know, virtual marketplaces where you buy things online and then they come to you physically. Sometimes they're actual digital downloads and whatnot as well. That's kind of, you know, the early phases of the, of the internet. But now what's happening is a whole, a whole separate new world, multiple worlds are being created in the digital space. Yeah. And we've talked about this a little bit because... It's fascinating to us, but I have to say it is quite foreign to us. This is not something that we're in all the time. We're definitely not. I'm not a gamer. You're not a gamer. I've never really participated in these virtual lands that much. But now it's becoming something that's getting a bit more attention. And I think it's worth it to explain it. And I think the best way I could explain it is through this movie called Ready Player One. It really helps those, everyone understand what this technology is and what it could look like in the future. Exactly. And I I think that what you said, comparing it to a game is actually really a good first step into this, right? Mm. So thinking about, I mean, for a long time, video games have existed, right? You had Nintendo, you had Game Boys, you had all these, you know, we had Nintendo 64. That was kind of the game console that I played a lot with when I was younger. And then Mm -hmm. you have PlayStations, you have Xbox, all of those things. And each game kind of creates a new world that you're in and Mm -hmm. it creates a new game that you actually have to play. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it in that way, it's kind of like that. However, the virtual space, this metaverse, the Decentraland, um, you know, framework essentially that we're going to be talking about really Mm -hmm. allows, there's no real games set, right? There's no like Mm. plot that you have to go towards. You can actually build your own area. You can buy virtual space in this land and actually create whatever the heck you want to create. And people are getting really creative, which is really, really interesting and fascinating, especially as right now we're all still kind of in lockdown. We're not, not everyone around the world is able to go out and be, you know, in person, Mm -hmm. so to speak, or even go work in the office. So people are actually creating virtual lands that people can walk into from their computer, from their phone or from their own virtual reality set. Right. And to add to that, uh, these virtual worlds, they are, that a lot of people are playing around in them. They're, 
kind of similar to Sim City, you know, the game yeah. where you can like build a, a little city and your city can be next to someone else's city and it becomes multiplayer kind of game. Yeah. But the difference is it's not a game. And SimCity is a program that's owned by a company that's making a lot of money every time someone buys the game or potentially buys something in the game, you know, to enhance their their home, to make it that much bigger or whatever. I'm sure that they have in, in-app purchases per yeah. se. But this these new platforms that we're talking about specifically decentraland and crypto voxels they're designed for where there is no center ownership there is no company that runs it there's individuals programmers who created it but it's all with the intention of having it completely decentralized where it is equivalent to you know, Earth. No one owns Earth. Yeah, no one owns the internet either. Right. And so it's really fascinating because what that does, because there's no, you know, one central owner, one mm-hmm. company entity that owns this, it really allows for anyone to kind of plug into the world, including yeah. other companies as well. It allows true ownership. Like you, when you buy something in these worlds, it is truly yours and yours alone. Same as if you're in the real world you know if you're in the real world and you buy something someone could come in and like steal it from your house but you own it you could prove that you own it if you have the receipt things Mm -hmm. like that and that's how it works in decentraland exactly and one thing to just also say is you know regarding ownership decentraland and crypto voxels is essentially a framework built on top of a blockchain so Mm -hmm. the blockchain technology obviously we've talked about that that's a decentralized public ledger where everyone can see every transaction that happens right you might not know exactly who you know bought what because people can be anonymous or pseudonymous but you can definitely see every transaction that actually happens so you can verify ownership even if someone's arguing that they don't actually have ownership or someone has ownership when they really don't right so that's a nice thing too and what's it what's also really interesting is what as we're talking about decentralized and crypto voxels and what's being built on top of you know the blockchain technology mm-hmm. we're going to also be talking about ready player one and how that really i mean this concept is really very future thinking, right? Yeah. Ready Player One is a movie that is sci-fi, right? It's not, yep. it's not, it's very fictional, but it's, it's set in a dystopian future in 2045. Mm-hmm. And so the, this is, we're talking about the book now, right? The right. book and the movie that was created, Steven Spielberg directed the movie that came out quite a few, a 2018. Few, yeah. A few years ago, 2018. So, yeah. You know, he based the the story plotline is set in 2045 in the future, and mm-hmm. a lot of the issues that we are being warned of today are actually um, occurring yeah. in 2045. Such well, as there's something warming. that we're we're definitely more aware of than we have been in the past, and so uh, I'll read to you the plot, and you can f- kind of find the similarities to it. So, this is a book written in 2011. It is a science fiction. Some could say it's a dystopia fiction, mm-hmm. or Others could say it's a utopian fiction. I think that it's a quite controversial depending on your viewpoint of what your ideal world looks like. And the story goes that in 2045, the world is dealing with an energy crisis and global warming, causing widespread social problems and economic stagnation. The primary escape for most people is a virtual universe called the Oasis, which is accessed with a visor and haptic gloves it functions both as a multiplayer game and as a virtual society 
with its currency being the most stable currency in the world. That's kind of weird, right? Yes. It, I mean, in, in, in a weird way, I was like kind of shocked when I saw this because this book was written in 2011, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but holy cow, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. And there was, as far as I know, there wasn't a um, form of decentral uh, virtual world built on a blockchain to enable people to interact in a completely separate world from ours. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the, at this point right now, we're at just like the tipping point of seeing what could be done. Right. And when I first tried VR, it was more of just playing like a video game. And a lot of people can relate to playing video games. But this is actually describing more so than ever before what is actually being created right now. Mm-hmm. The things that are lacking the most, in my opinion, are the quality of the uh, images around you. Yeah, the graphics. The graphics are not there yet. But if you look at video games from you know the 90s to now, it's only became better and better. I mean, I yeah. remember playing Tony Hawk and thinking like, Tony Hawk looked like he was the real person that I was skateboarding with. Yeah. Because prior to that, I was playing Mario and they were just like little cartoons. Then you fast forward to now, I've been playing video games uh, pretty recently, like golf, and it's like pretty freaking amazing how well it looks. And now on some of the bigger games, like if you watch the NBA uh, Finals or if you watch the Super Bowl, they have this special Sony camera that makes the filming look more like a video game than any other recording that I've ever seen. And they only use that when they're showing like the up-close images and stuff like that, but it is now getting to that bridging point where it's going to get really hard to tell. Is that a game? Is that real? And if that can merge into these platforms that are decentralized in virtual worlds, whoa, we're getting a little bit wild now. We are. And to, to, to be fair also right now, these worlds like decentralized and crypto voxels, they don't actually have VR capability yet. So we are really such early days right yeah. now. I think that you can, but it's it's just so demanding. And they're just tipping into the entry point of it. Yeah, exactly. So also think about at this time when this story was written in 2011, historically in the real world, I mean, at this point, Bitcoin was just launched only like two years ago, right? So 2011, it was in 2009 when the Bitcoin paper came out and the Genesis block was created. Mm -hmm. And so there there was some talk about, you know, digital currency, but also think about in games, there were always coins. There were always little things that you were were to collect, even if you didn't have to pay for them. You would would get rewarded these Mm -hmm. different currencies that were just for that game specifically. Right. And so we were, you know, in the gaming world, you were really starting to see, well, obviously there's, digital native currency but it's only for each game you can't cross those currencies over into different games Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so let's bring it back to ready player one this oasis game is the oasis away from the real world right and so the digital world is actually more stable full of more opportunities people in this virtual world they plug in they go they put their vr set and their gloves on and all of a sudden they're put into this virtual reality world in 2045 and the reason they are in there and why there are so many opportunities is because all other currencies around the world are collapsing right Mm -hmm. there's various different issues going on but inside the virtual space that's where the 
the most opportunity is because the currency is the most stable. Yeah, and, and, most and you can make money. Like it's a business. You can you can be who you want to be. Like if you see the movie, it's kind of amazing that like the main. I don't want to ruin it for people, but there's one of the top characters is this like huge, almost like incredible Hulk type figure, and later to find out that it's it's a woman. And yeah, you're like, you know, you could be whoever you want to be. You can. You don't have to be human. You could be a different type of species or animal or whatever you want to imagine. And in this digital space, it is up to you. It is your ideal world that you're creating. And within your ideal world, there's opportunities for you to make money, to make it more ideal to what you want it to become. So you can buy land in the virtual virtual world. You can also buy clothing. Any assets that you can acquire in the physical world, you can buy in the virtual world. Exactly. And obviously, you know, you can, you could probably buy food, but you know, you say, why will you need energy? You know, there's so, <laughs> there's so many, it gets kind of, it gets kind of meta when you really start digging into it, but it, this is very much on the frontier early days still, yeah. you know, we don't really know exactly how this is all going to pan out, right. but why we're talking about ready player one is that's, you know, what's so interesting about sci-fi mm-hmm. is sci-fi almost brings to life the imagination of the future. So right. people read it or they watch it and then it kind of manifests itself in mm-hmm. an interesting way. And so we're kind of seeing this in um, a way that I think is actually, I hope that it stays this way, decentral, mm. you know, because if it's decentral, then no one entity, and that's really one of the biggest issues in Ready Player One is that there is a central corporation that owns almost everything, right? Yeah. And they have the control and they don't really want to lose that control. And mm-hmm. so with um, a decentralized world, everyone kind of is able to own and yeah. to play. It's more like a free, an shared actual ownership. free market. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and shared ownership. So uh, I want to make this comparison because this is, like, what I love about Ready Player One is they took a little bit of, like, a vision of what the future could be. This is 2011, and they, they thought, you know, I could see digital currency, you know, really going big in the future and becoming something that could become more stable than the dollar. But then they take it further and further and further. And all of a sudden it's this far off fictional story that people watch it like it's entertainment, but it is possible that it could eventually become quite close to what they describe in the story in the real world. And so I think often about the 19, what was it? It was in the late 1940s. The book was written called 1984 by George Orwell. Mm-hmm. And it was all about Big Brother and how Big Brother is always watching you and the, the kind of loss of control that you have when they're always watching your every move and how much power is filled with that and their way of kind of manipulating your mind through providing different news uh, sources and kind of just forcing you to think in, one, in the way they want you to think. And that was so ahead of its time. And it's still one of the top books. I mean, I was forced to read it in, I can't remember. I think it was high school. And I think that a lot of people are viewing that as like a book that, did it come true? Did it not come true? I mean, 1984 came, probably the most significant thing uh, in 1984 was the Apple commercial that was in relation to we're not going to let 1984 happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't really happen, but you can kind of see little parts and chunks of it happening in the world today, for mm-hmm. sure, more so than in 1940s. And so as we're looking towards the future, do you think that Ready Player One could be 
a story that people will say, whoa, that was the 1984 back then. Yeah, I, in a weird way, yes. And not maybe not completely, but I think that, like I said, sci-fi has a way, or, or books like 1984 by George Orwell, they have this way of kind of warning of what could happen. And that's not to say that it absolutely will happen, but we're already seeing these virtual worlds come together. We're already seeing gaming completely explode. You know, you've got gaming leagues, you've got people who would rather be playing games than mm-hmm. actually being in the real world. And you For have sure. people actually making a lot of money by playing games yeah. as opposed to doing a normal job yeah, in the in real 2011, world. In 2011, how many people were making money through video games? Was video games even considered a sport? Right, exactly. Now it's a real freaking sport. It's a sport. real sport. And people are actually, kids are getting recruited to go to university for being like top of their league in certain games. Good for and you stuff. kids. Really. I mean, who would have ever imagined? So... In a way, I could see it happening. Now, I think that the big warning of the of the story, one of them, is to ensure that no one single entity has control of this new virtual space. Because if mm. we were going into the virtual world to make a better world, then it requires us to learn the lessons of the real world as to why hmm. you know, it became so dystopian yeah. and not bring those into the virtual world. And so I think part of that is the decentralized nature of these virtual worlds that are being created right now, that they Mm -hmm. really do not want a single entity or a single company to really be able to, you know, determine the future, the fate of everyone who's actually inside of it. And so this is, you know, as this is getting built, this isn't some like really weird thing where only, you know, people who are super nerdy on the computer are, are into. I mean, this is, even though it's, it's relatively new to John and I, Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating to see how, much has been accelerating and accepted by companies like Sotheby's. Sotheby's has actually created their own auction house inside Decentraland (laughs) where they will be, I think it's this week, if it's not next week, it might be this week, Mm -hmm. where they're actually going to have one of the first, uh, their their first um, NFT auctions inside Decentraland. So Mm. people have to actually go into Decentraland, into their auction house to be able to participate in the auctions. Mm -hmm. And they'll be doing it with Jay-Z, which is very interesting as well. So <laughs> it's pretty wild stuff that's going on. It really sure. is. It's fast changing, fast moving. And it is, like I said, early days. So it's very experimental. But you're starting to see not just people buying up land randomly and, and building their own buildings, you know, just because they want to. No. You're also seeing strategy real with strat- where they're buying it. What's the purpose of the land that they're buying it? Is there something? Are they trying to build a community? What are they? Are they building a business yeah. by having this land? You, it's it's so much more than just hey, uh, what, what was it the Oklahoma Sooner Run? Yeah, where they're just like I'm just going to claim this land. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it, but this is my land, yeah. and I'll figure that part out later. No, people, because the price has kind of accelerated very quickly. Now it has to be you better go in there with a plan of what you're going to be spending. I mean, sometimes it's five to six figures worth for a plot of virtual land. Yeah. So this sounds wild, and I think that one thing that would be really fun to do is approach it like it's a facts and questions type page because I've had a few discussions with some of uh, our older friends and they've asked some interesting questions um, that I never thought I would ask. But I do think it's important for us to have a little bit of a discussion on on these types of uh, odd ideas. So one question, or it was almost like a comment but with a question, it was, what about like the beauty of life? What about like if any, this individual picked up an apple and was like, 
What about this apple right here? I'm not going to be able to taste the deliciousness of this apple. What about like falling in love? Those feelings that you can only experience in the real world. Why would I ever want to be in a virtual world when all the best things are here in the real world? How would you respond to that? Oh, well, I love that sentiment. I think it's very yeah. romantic and, and I do feel the same way in a lot of respects. I mean, to me, I fell in love in the real world with my husband, you yeah. know, and I don't know how that would have actually panned out any other way. And yeah. definitely when it comes to tasting something, I don't know how the virtual world will, you know, get to that yet. Right. But Let, let's do the love one, though. The love one, though, I do think that is something we can all agree on. People fall in love online, on the Internet, without ever actually seeing each other. More often than ever before. More often than ever before, especially in the younger generation. But I think now it transcends all generations. Anyone mm -hmm. who's done online dating, anyone who's had a long distance relationship, mm -hmm. you can still fall in love and not actually physically be with each other. Yeah. And you, you can know. really see someone's personality, too, if it's in the virtual world, because there's... the that you're kind of removing your, I feel like it's one, it's helping the, like the safety of the first date. Mm -hmm. And then two, it's also allowing the personality to shine through because you could see who their ideal self is versus yeah. who they may actually be. Yeah. And it, and which, which brings up warnings. It does. Of course, you don't want to get catfished by any means, but I, I would say that there's also something kind of expansive about being able to learn about someone and what they would be if they could choose whatever mm -hmm. they wanted to be in the virtual world, yeah. like because they can't choose it in the real world. So, you know, I think obviously you have to have both. You have to know who they really are and who they want, to be, who they wish they could be. Mm -hmm. But there's no reason why you can't fall in love in the virtual world. I really, I really believe that it's already been proven. That's the reason why there's so many dating websites, yeah. dating apps, and all of that right now. I mean, and especially when people can't go out and meet people physically. Um, you know, to date in a mm -hmm. normal, in normal circumstances. So yeah, I definitely, I, I understand the concern and I, I just believe that for now, I don't really necessarily see that. I hope that the world doesn't become a dystopian, you know, mess, but I yeah. really believe that it will, will be in tandem. You'll have the virtual world, just like you have the virtual world and the real world. And honestly, in a weird way, the pandemic has been really accelerating a lot of things that are in the virtual world, right? Mm -hmm. We remote work now. I yeah. mean, I don't, I haven't been inside of an office for over, I mean, almost two years now, Yeah. you know? And I think a lot of other people have also not been in an office where they normally, that was their routine. They had to commute and all that stuff mm -hmm. and it's working out just fine. Some people prefer it. Some people don't prefer it. Mm -hmm. um, and so there will always be that where people prefer to actually be together in the real world. Mm -hmm. And there will be others who prefer to, you know, get stuff done or do things in a virtual space. Yeah. And so it really does lend itself to a modern day uh, conundrum right now, you know, yeah. where we're just trying to figure out, we're transitioning into a new era. The pandemic was a huge catalyst for change in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And more people are online and consistently online than ever before. Yeah, that's for sure. Me too. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question, but I think right now there are a lot of people who are very excited. This is an opportunity that right now, if they're in a space where they are in complete lockdown and they can't go out except for to go, go get groceries, well, what else do you do? And I actually, mm -hmm. I've heard stories where, you know, kids graduate and there are no jobs because, well, they're just in a, whether it's the economic situation or it's just no one's really hiring right now because they can't really hire and then bring them in on the team yet, mm -hmm. right? Where they're actually saying, okay, well, I guess I'll go into the virtual world and see what I can do here. Mm -hmm. And they're 
being entrepreneurial, which I think is a great thing. At least there's opportunity for people to do something new, do something different. And this is very early days. So very. early adopters trying to create businesses will f will find that it's much more difficult, I think, over time. Hmm. But they'll learn a lot of the mistakes or the little tweaks, you know, that they ha that have to be made along the way, little bugs, hmm. and figure out. And it'll be really interesting to see how it all shapes yeah. sh together in the future. Yeah, I, I think, like, to go to the Apple experience, eating an apple. Yeah. I think that uh, when I when I look at the technology that's available to experience these worlds you got to have the goggles you, right now you have hand remote controls and they work pretty pretty good good for sure but when we're thinking about like just extend that technology and then extend it further and extend it further eventually you get you can get to all five senses where you're getting smells you could be getting taste it might not be that you're like getting taste through eating a virtual item but what if you blend the virtual reality, which is where you're just looking at something through a screen with like augmented reality? Yeah. And maybe you have some type of, I don't know, devices in your real world where now you're having a date in your actual house. Like it could all come together and then you have a machine and you can send the person your favorite soda flavor and the machine just makes it. And now you can actually taste it. Right. There's so many ways that this technology could be expanded on and I like to think that I can experience it in my lifetime, but this is where I don't think that we could necessarily put a limitation on uh, what type of sensory experiences we can have mm. in this virtual uh, world that is being created and built upon right now. Yeah. And so I'm excited about it. Uh, do I have any concerns about it? I think a lot of people have some concerns about it. Do you have any concerns about it? Well, I mean, I, I do think that there's something to be said about, you know, just unplugging and being in, in the real world. Yeah. You know, I, I think that we've been experimenting with a lot of things online, like social media, mm -hmm. as far as, you know, how it really kind of rewires our brain and whatnot. And I think that there's an upcoming generation that already is, you know, kind of maturing into adulthood mm -hmm. who really kind of grasp on and understand this in a new way. I mean, right. think about the last year and a half they've been in school, they had to do everything digitally, right? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. and they grew up with a phone. And I think anyone who's even older and not in that generation, who remembers a world without the internet, yeah. um, think about when, when was the last time you just went a whole 24 hours without your phone? When was the last time you it. did X, Y, or Z without looking at your phone and looking it up, right? Mm -hmm. And so in a weird way, we are so attached to our devices, mm -hmm. most of us. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, just kind of extends itself to what the eventual, when hardware becomes easier to use and plug into the virtual space, yeah. right? So like, you know, Google Glasses was one of those inventions that didn't really completely come to fruition, but there are rumors that Apple is going to come out with their own glasses. And there's going to be new devices and technology where it will blend in a way to allow devi our devices to be easier to use, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Use, uh, look up information right away, be able to see the directions as you're walking. And that to me, it's okay. I, I, I feel like that's kind of an, uh, an understandable evolution of where we're headed. Hmm. To others, I think, and I understand why it would make them uncomfortable. Yeah. But change does always cause, cause discomfort yeah. for many and for some. Yeah, and could this change be a good thing or a bad thing? We're yet to, to find out, but it is kind of weird that it could be argued as a utopian fictional story, Ready Player One, or yeah. a dystopian f fictional story. Yeah, It all kind of depends on what your ideal world is and which one you want to be a part of. Because if 
it does get fully embraced. The VR world gets more embraced than the real world. I would think that that means that the VR world must be more appealing than the real world. Yeah. And so it's either that the VR world is really way above and beyond anyone's dreams and fantasies right now, or the real world is way underperforming of what we hope and expect it to be. Yeah. And that's a little bit of a disappointing thought. It is a little disappointing, but you could also look at it as, well, this is an area of new opportunity Mm. that people can't find in the real world currently. Right. And so they're just trying to create and forge opportunity. And I, to me, I think that's a great thing. If there's, if there's something out there that allows you to flourish as an entrepreneur, as a creator, as you know, you have an imagination. We all do. And if you are trying to find your own opportunity and you can't seem to find it, you're applying for jobs or whatever you're doing yeah. and it's not really working out. Well, at least there's something else. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of where innovation is driven, right? Yeah. Innovation is driven where the opportunities are, are greatest. Yeah. And, and where, where's your ideal place too? Like, what is the environment you want to be a part of? Do you want to be on a beach and maybe it's impossible for you to be living on a beach, but now you can instantly go there and appreciate it. If you want to go back in time, why can't you? This is your world. This is your ideal place. You make it exactly how you want it to be and enjoy it to the fullest. And if that gives a lot of opportunities to people all around the world, and I'm excited for that. Me too. I'm excited to see how this all flourishes and comes together. And I'm excited to be a small part of it and we'll continue to share our own experiences. I just think, you know, one thing to emphasize is this is very new. It does kind of make, you know, instill a little bit of, I don't know, discomfort for some, but really... We're learning a lot. We're learning a lot, and we'll be bringing you along on the journey with us into this new virtual decentralized (laughs) land. Yes. So thanks so much for tuning in. We look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.